from the Library of Congress in Washington, D.C. Welcome to America Works, excerpts from interviews with contemporary workers throughout the United States, collected by the library's American Folklife Center as part of its Occupational Folklife Project. This is staff folklorist Nancy Gross, and this American Work episode features racetrack worker Patrick Bovenzi. Originally from upstate New York, today Patrick works as an official at racetracks across the country. He is one of America's very few horse identifiers. That is, he's an expert who can assess and certify the identity of individual racehorses. Mr. Bovenzi was interviewed by folklorist and Archie Greenfellow Ellen McHale at the Tampa Bay Downs Racetrack in Tampa Bay, Florida, on behalf of the American Folklife Center as part of her project, Stable Views, Voices and Stories from the Thoroughbred Racetrack. Well, they built a racetrack seven miles from my home, Finger Lakes Racetrack. Uh, my family's not in the horse business. Had it not been for that fact, uh, there was a racetrack literally in my backyard. I would never step foot on one of these places. <laughs> <laughs> Started off when I was 14 years old, walking hots at Finger Lakes, and uh, just progressed through the ranks throughout the years. Uh-huh. I was a kid uh, that uh, that always had the racing form with him in high school. Absolutely, <laughs> in study hall, people would be studying. I'd be studying my form. <laughs> Absolutely. So when did you start walking hot? Uh, 68, summer 68. I was uh, 14 years old, I think I was. Live my age, told him I was 16. Got a license, started walking hot. Wow. Sun up to sunset, seven days a week, 50 bucks a week. Mm-hmm. Did all through summers in high school and college. And uh, yeah, that's what I've always done. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Went to school at RIT and worked at Finger Lakes. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Sure did. Mm-hmm. So did you go to RIT for something that has to do with horses? It was, no, it was general studies. Uh, uh-huh. It was the major, actually, criminal justice general studies, College of General Studies. But uh, there is a there is a direct correlation between what I learned in school and what I do now. Uh, I learned a lot about law, and uh, when I'm not a horse identifier, I'm a steward. So, uh, so it's uh, applicable. Uh-huh. I've uh, I've pretty much done everything in the horse racing business from stable boy to steward, done it all. Um, and, uh, you know, groom, uh, hot walker, uh, assistant trainer. I've been a jockey agent. Uh, I have a trainer's license. I don't use it, but I have one. Uh, and then all the official jobs, paddock judge, placement judge, patrol judge, uh, clerk of scales, horse identifier, obviously. And uh, I just do it all. <laughs> yeah. What was the one you did have done the longest? A horse identifier. Horse yeah, that's, yeah, what yeah that's what I do right now. Yeah, there's there's only 59 of us in the country that are that do this that are that are certified to tattoo horses too. And I do three or four different breeds. I do thoroughbreds, quarter horses, um, Arabians, paints. I do all them four breeds. So I, I'm pretty I'm pretty busy. Uh, work five days a week here, and like I say, tomorrow I got to work in Miami and uh, 
Tuesday after work up in Ocala. No rest for the wicked. <laughs> so what does a horse identifier do? Oh, ah, just as the name implies, the title implies, um, my job is to determine the identity of these horses. When you uh, look at your program and you see that, uh, um, for instance, uh, this horse, Nasty Girl, is in the first race, it is my job to determine to the ex- uh, to the uh, that this is Nasty Girl to the exclusion of every single horse on earth. This is the one, the only, the original Nasty Girl. And how do you do that? Well, there's uh, horses have natural markings. You know, you they have uh, they have sex, they have color. Uh, their teeth tell me how old they are. And uh, in addition, you have all these natural markings, uh, the white faces and leg markings and. We examine every mark on the horse's body, including cowlicks, and uh, and uh, we uh, make the determination by uh, comparing and contrasting the marks on her body with that on her registration papers and her tattoo. No. In there. On their upper lip. Oh, upper lip. Horses cannot be tattooed before they're two, at least two oh, years okay. old. You know, most state racing commissions have a. In fact, they all do. They have a. Um, a rule that says that a horse, uh, most of them do, you can run one time without a tattoo. That's with special permission. But uh, most uh, racing commissions mandate that the horse has a lip tattoo to run. And uh, that's where I come in. When the horse walks up to me, uh, in my mind I look, I say, uh, uh, three-year-old chestnut filly. And, uh, you know, I can see her color as she walks up to me. And then I flip the lip and uh, her teeth tell me how old she is. Then I look at the uh, at the tattoo itself. It's the toughest job in the racing office to fill. And I inherited the job when I was uh, working in the racing office in Detroit. I was a, a placing judge and an entry clerk. And uh, uh, the uh, the then horse identifier got elevated to the position of steward. That opened up that uh, that job. And uh, of course, there there were no volunteers. And <laughs> But then the racing secretary says, well, Pat, you've got all this uh, horse experience. You know a pastern from a coronet, and you're the horse identifier. And uh, it's one of them jobs you grow into. Uh, there's really no school to go to. It's uh, time and grade. You just grow into it. You see all the marks, and uh, you figure it out for yourself. Have you ever had a situation when someone tries to put one over on you? Uh, a few times. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it, about once a year... Uh, uh, the wrong horse will show up in the paddock, and uh, of course uh, they'll invariably blame it on the, on the incompetence of the groom. But what really gets me though is uh, the, the trainer saddling this horse. <laughs> and if it were me, you get the wrong horse, kid, send him back. And the guy's saddling the horse, you know. <laughs> so he blames it on the groom. Uh, I've had a I've had a couple of really big cases uh, in Indiana where um, horses were mixed up right from the get-go. And, uh, yeah, and uh, this one horse, uh, he ran three different times at three different racetracks, and the first time I had seen him, I had him scratched 15 minutes before post after having looked at him for a minute, and that turned out to be a big deal. And uh, we were right in scratching the horse, and and there, was, uh, there wasn't no uh, uh, deception. It was just two horses that were mixed up from the get-go, and nobody had the presence of mind to to look at the markings and compare and contrast and make sure they had the right horses and and uh, there, it was a nondescript horse uh, but uh, certainly from an identifier's uh, point of view it was uh, distinguishable from the other horse and uh, like I said we scratched that horse that day the investigation ensued and 
and uh, we subsequently got it all straightened out. But uh, there was a lot, uh, a lot of uh, redistribution of purse money and some sanctioning and bringing the wrong horse to the paddock. So it was a big deal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you said you also tattoo. I do. I'm one of 59 tattooers in the country. We do 1,700 a piece a year. And they just want to keep the numbers down just so there's not a million sets of tattoo dyes out there. I have been bitten, but uh, not every day. <laughs> and uh, I pride myself on doing some very good work, so they say. And I put up a legible tattoo, and uh, I have to read it, and the vets have to read it, and everybody has to read it. So uh, I do my darndest to put up a good legible tattoo. Uh-huh. Yeah, You've got some good, hard-working, honorable people trying to make a living in a very, very competitive, very difficult business, good people, and it's uh, it's professional athletics, and uh, it's uh, it's a way of life. It's uh, It grows on you. I love it. That's <laughs> what I do. That's <laughs> what I've always done. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, uh, it's the greatest game played outdoors, no question about it. Mm-hmm. You've been listening to racetrack worker and horse identifier Patrick Bovenzi who was interviewed on behalf of the American Folklife Center by folklorist and Archie Greenfellow Ellen McHale in Tampa Bay, Florida. To listen to the complete interview and to hear more great stories from Mr. Bovenzi, please visit us online at www.loc.gov forward slash folklife. On behalf of the American Folklife Center, this is folklorist Nancy Gross. Thank you for listening to America Works. This has been a presentation of the Library of Congress. Visit us at loc.gov.